WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com. The candidates for mayor debate again how crime and the Super Bowl were tied together. Sidewalks and streets. Will new pavement swing the election? A candidate for governor is on the air eight months prior to the primary. The lottery admits mistakes. And what happened in the governor's office when Mitch Daniels was on a book tour? That plus Madonna's coming and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending October 7, 2011. Ice Miller. Proud to support Indiana Week in Review. The path to a successful business has unexpected twists and turns. The legal professionals at Ice Miller are dedicated to guiding businesses along the journey. Experience takes businesses to the top. Ice Miller can help them stay there. Ice Miller. It's a complex world. Be advised. This week, the candidates for mayor of Indianapolis debated again, and crime was a hot topic between Republican Greg Ballard and Democratic challenger Melina Kennedy. Kennedy says aggravated assaults are up. Mayor Ballard says overall crime is down. They also spoke about the human trafficking sometimes associated with the Super Bowl. Because this is an issue, but without giving away details, because I don't want to do that, this is an issue that has been addressed for every Super Bowl over the past few years, and we will make sure that our partnerships are in place to prevent that sort of trapping that goes on. Over the last few years, the city has had a grant from the Department of Justice, which the city failed to submit this past year, and so I'm really um, disappointed that we're not seeking those resources, especially at a time when, as you pointed out, um, this is going to be a very big focus. Is the threat of human trafficking real? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel, Democrat and Delaney. Republican Mike McDaniel. John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV Statehouse reporter Jim Shella. Mike McDaniel, should we anticipate an influx in the commercial sex trade during the Super Bowl? Well, I'm told this has been a recurring problem uh, in, in recent years, and I've had one conversation with the Attorney General about it, and he said it is a serious problem, one that we're going to have to address and maybe even have to do it legislatively. He's looking for a, a bill that would, would create a specific crime in Indiana uh, so that someone other than a relative could be charged with human trafficking. He needs that passed before early February if it's going to apply to the Super Bowl. Is that, can that happen? It's possible. The legislature has been very effective in doing things that needed to be done in anticipation of the Super Bowl. I don't see that being a big problem if, in fact, they really do believe it's necessary. It's not that easy to spot human trafficking. No, it's a very difficult crime to deal with because it, it, it's it both sex and labor-related. It involves immigrants and it involves uh, native uh, people born in this country as well. But uh, Melina Kennedy's right. We've had a grant with this for five or six years through the auspices of Susan Brooks uh, soliciting it for, from the Department of Justice. Julian Center has been involved in this for years. The city dropped the ball this time by not applying for it again. 
And it's really, they're dropping the ball left and right with grant applications. Once they let their, the whiz they used to have operating the grants office, Liz Allison uh, let her retire because the uh, circumstances in that office weren't good, and we're paying a price for that. And now we're going to be particularly unprepared at a time when we know, based on past history in NFL Super Bowl cities, that, that the, uh, the trafficking of people for sex is going to go up. Uh, John Ketzenberger, you moderated that debate. It seems like an unusual debate topic. Well, I think it would be. Uh, and what I think is interesting is that while uh, the Attorney General came out last week and talked about this, this particular question was submitted by a student from Butler University who was a member of the panel. And that question actually was generated more than three weeks ago as we were working on getting prepared. So it's clearly something that has been associated with huge events like the Super Bowl. It's something that uh, you have to be prepared for and be able to deal with because normally it's not such a, you know, it's, it, this big event brings that kind of thing. Uh, it, it may be a problem to a lesser extent, but when you're talking about the Super Bowl, you have to be prepared for it. And I thought it was an interesting question by the student. And it's worth pointing out that, you know, there's a lot of hype about the Super Bowl coming to town. There's a dark side. Sure. Anytime you have that much money being thrown at an event that has, commands that much attention, not, not only people actually in town watching it physically, but, I mean, really eyes from around the country and around the world are going to be on Indianapolis. So it's not surprising that you would have every aspect of, of human society here, the good, the bad, the ugly, and this unfortunately is uh, one of the ugly aspects. But if you go back and look at some of the clips uh, about this time last year uh, in Dallas, you see some of the same alarms being sounded that this is going to be a big problem. Um, I think all the snow and ice actually probably did a lot to curb everything down there. They weren't prepared for yeah, but a few years ago there uh, were arrests in Tampa. Sure, I, and I'm, I think, I'm guessing we will see arrests here uh, for prostitution-related issues or maybe not trafficking, per se, if this particular bill is not uh, put in place. But it's, it's inevitable. Uh, sad to say you it's probably you, you inevitable. You don't need the bill. There is a federal statute on human trafficking. I mean, it's nice to say that the state's finally woken up to this question when it's been dealt with in other communities for 10 years, but it isn't necessary to pass a bill. It is necessary to have the resources to identify it when you see it and then assist the victims. And when, when the grant was allowed to lapse, the question is, are those going to be there? The Super Bowl, uh, like other major national events, like the national conventions, is a national security event. You're going to have a lot of federal presence here, and uh, believe me, when they take over, they pretty much run those operations, and they're going to have a huge presence in Indianapolis, and out of necessity in a big event like this. All right, still with the race for mayor, Greg Ballard says he's giving voters what they want by building new sidewalks and repaving streets in, rep in response to taxpayer complaints. But the mayor is also holding a news conference per week to remind voters that the work is being done. This week, he was on North Meridian Street for a groundbreaking on a million-dollar project that is actually nearing completion. He also had a debate in that neighborhood a couple of days later, and he readily admits that he hopes the work will attract votes for his re-election bid. The fact that they're getting the infrastructure done that has been neglected for decades, I think it might have some impact. And when somebody comes and paves their sidewalk or their street, they know that somebody's paying attention to them. But it's not enough. We have to do more. And that's why I'll continue to share my vision. Will it pick up a vote here or there? It's quite possible. But uh, I don't, it's not going to be the overriding issue of this campaign. And Delaney, 
Is road paving the smart thing to do if you're the incumbent? Well, clearly, uh, Greg Ballard thinks so, and, and it's true that um, some of these streets uh, have needed repair. I'm not sure we needed to tear up Washington Street twice, though, by putting these deadlines like the election. Everything has to be done by the election. I think it's important, and I think it's actually good public policy, and um, I'm not sure that I appreciate the fact that every time I take a shower and use water and or flush the toilet, I'm helping to pave those streets and will be for the next, what, 50 years? Because but of the lease of because the, the, of the water lease and of the, sewer yeah, utilities. And my, and my uh, rates going up in order to pay for that. But, but having <laughs> said that, I don't think it provides, I think Melina is exactly right, I don't think it provides enough of a vision. I think her, her, her uh, program for early childhood education, on the other hand, and the investment in human capital and human infrastructure as opposed to only paving everything that isn't moving twice. Simultaneously, easy, I might add. Easier, it's a lot easier to see a sidewalk than it is. Absolutely. Yeah, but it doesn't do as much. I, infrastructure, in the long infrastructure, of course, is the foundation upon which everything else is built. And people do want a good infrastructure here. They have paved 100, or 1,200 miles of roads in Marion County. How many now, that's the, that's the equivalent of a road to Albuquerque, New Mexico, inside Marion County. How and many curbs, and, Wait a minute. And curbs, I didn't interrupt you. I, I just wondered <laughs> and curbs, if you had that 100 stat. miles of curbs, which is equivalent to here to Cincinnati. Yeah. And that's never been done at that kind of level before. I think you ought to be having a news conference every day, not every week, because people do see it, and they do appreciate it. And they know it's needed, and they're getting it, and they're going to be happy about it. Well, and some people and some people look at it and they say, "Why wasn't this done before?" Because they, they didn't have the money. What before. do they give Greg Ballard credit? Sure, I think you, they give whoever is the person who is in office at that time, and the fact that he is having, as you point out, Jim, these weekly news conferences. He and his campaign staff are actually, making sure. He actually sure. had a second one this week to talk about bike paths. Well, and now that Mike suggested they don't daily, then uh, that's to drive home that point. If anyone has forgotten who the incumbent mayor is, that those yeah. events are designed to do it. But, Jim, you hit on the exact point of why this is effective. It, it's the visibility. It's tangible. Yeah. If, you're, if you're a mayor, you can say, I've created a, an atmosphere that nurtures uh, business development and growth. It could be true, but it's sort of nebulous. You could say that we've created an atmosphere where... Crime criminals are, are more afraid to uh, take guns and to, to bet, rob banks. Okay, but again, not real tangible. But when you say, here's a piece of concrete in front of your driveway that you now uh, won't trip on, people, I think, get that. And it's tough for Melina Kennedy or the Democrats to criticize. Well, I don't know. They've managed to do it so far. It, it is difficult because they are so tangible, they are so visible. But I recall a paving project at the end of the last cycle uh, that didn't particularly help the incumbent then. Uh, this is one of the things that the incumbent can use to his or her advantage, and they're using it to maximum advantage. We'll see if it pays off on election day. Well, I, mean, I, I, think, it, the, I think it helps because it is tangible, but it is not enough. When people think of Indiana <laughs> and Indianapolis, they want something more than just the street. Hope. And by the way, the they hopes. want to be able to get right. from point A to point yeah. B, well, which you cannot there do. There has been some in inconvenience. The difference, of some having, inconvenience. The, the difference of having years where you used to do five and ten million dollars worth of repaving versus $164 million right. is dramatic and it will have a major impact. But it will be paying for it for 50 no, years every time we take a shower. Yeah.
Time now for viewer feedback. Each week, we pose an unscientific poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question is, who will win the mayor's race? Your choices are A, Greg Ballard, B, Melina Kennedy, or C, too close to call. Last week's question was, should the state liability cap be lifted? 9% said only for state fair victims. 50% said for all circumstances. 41% said no. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash IWIR and look for the poll. Republican businessman Jim Wallace launched his second wave of TV ads this week in his bid to become governor. He plans to spend a half million dollars or so on TV before the start of the new year. The new ads focus on the fact that Wallace is a West Point graduate. They show him flying a helicopter. Wallace hopes to defeat GOP Congressman Mike Pence in May's primary election, and he's trying to sell the idea that he's a man of action. But this is where I learned to be a leader. Now I want to be your governor. My lessons learned as a pilot in the Army are very relevant in the, you know, the crisis environment that we face today. John Katzenberger, rate that strategy. Well, he needs to be visible and he needs name recognition. So I really think that this is a strategy that, that he has to embark upon. But he's paying for this mostly himself. Uh, and he's spent nearly a million dollars to this point. So he's investing heavily in his own campaign. And, uh, you know, it's, gonna, it's an expensive way to try to raise name ID against somebody who's got a lot of name ID and a lot of money coming into his campaign. And, and does the message get through that I'm a, what's, what's the, I'm a man of action or I'm a rich guy who can rent a helicopter or buy my own TV ads? What's, well, I mean, all of the above. I mean, it's, it's a positive message. I presume he's been in harm's way clearly and, and knows how to deal with those situations. And I think that's the message he's trying to get across. And it's, it's not as if he's relying solely on these ads at this point. I know he was making the rounds of college Republican Groups. I mean, not that that's going to win. You know, it's 20 no, people doing, here, 50 people there. But he was at IU. He was at Purdue. He's been up in the the region. But uh, John's right. This is an expensive way to to boost name ID, and I think that's what's most telling about this. If you look at uh, people who do research on this, there's actually a, a National Institute on Money in State Politics, and they looked at at candidates from at, for state level offices from 2000 to 2009, and people who self finance their campaigns. Only 11% of the time have they been successful in getting the, the office or seat that they were seeking. And I think that's because they're financing it because they don't have the built-in support or party support or grassroots right. organization that would deliver the money through other means. And clearly... What he's, he's trying to do right now is get the message out and hope that other people will make it, it so that he doesn't have to self-finance. Well, it hasn't worked. In, do you remember John Johnson? Here's your... Right. Here's your does anybody remember John Johnson? John Johnson, Republican right. candidate. He, he, was, he lost to Lindley Pearson. He was a yeah. Valparaiso businessman. He spent a, a boatload of money. On all cotton sweatshirts. Uh, okay, but ended up losing, uh, and that's why a lot of people might not be familiar with the name now. So. Yeah. Um, the Mike Pence campaign reaction was no comment. Does that mean they're taking him lightly? No, it doesn't mean they're taking him lightly. They, they are concentrating right now on going around and working with mayor candidates, which were 32 days to go before the municipal elections. I think that's the right priority if you're trying to get the Republican nomination uh, right now because there are Republican candidates all over the state that can use that kind of help. Uh, the, what's curious about this to me is the timing. I mean, why would you do it now when you're going to get lost in the clutter of everything else? Plus, it's my understanding that this buy isn't very big. Now, if he was spending they a won't million... They will exact numbers. They say it's a medium-sized Well, I was buy. told it was like $15,000. If that's the case, that's nothing. Uh, if they were going to spend a million dollars after the municipal election, 
to build name ID, then this would make a lot of sense to me. But $15,000 now, 32 days before the municipal yeah. election, what? He's you know, doing, he's doing Indi Indianapolis, South Bend, and Fort Wayne. So spread pretty thin. Democrats have to enjoy seeing this. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I actually think it's a pretty good ad. And, you know, there are a lot of Republicans hungry for another candidate. And if he, he has to be able to show them that he's viable uh, in order to attract the kind of support that could get him the nomination. But it's clear Mike Pence would rather run for anything than governor of the state of Indiana. He's probably kicking himself now that he never ran for president since the pickings out there are so thin. So, you know, it's going to be <laughs> interesting to see whether or not it's going to be interesting to see whether or not he can generate the kind of support well, and enthusiasm. Thing, Wallace is emphasizing economic issues. It, it's almost as if it's kind of a continuation of the Mitch Daniels philosophy. I don't know if he's called. I don't think he has called uh, for a moratorium on social issues, but clearly his campaign is about dealing about with it. economic issues and job creation, which is probably a good, as we've talked about before, general election campaign, but probably not the best platform in this coming primary cycle where social issues, for better or for worse, are going to probably play a role. Hoosier Lottery staffers enjoy a new state-of-the-art gym, but they won't get to enjoy it much longer. The Lottery Commission admitted this week that some spending at a new headquarters wasn't approved. In February, the lottery moved from Pan Am Plaza to 13th and Meridian Street, included in the new office furnishings, a $20,000 gym for employees. But it's not in line with state rules, so now that equipment must be sold off. Still, the commission chairman says this 35,000-square-foot space was needed. When we would bring in field personnel, uh, often they were required to work in hallways. So it had simply exceeded its capacity. If there was an error here, it was in the desire to make this a great place to work. Yeah, that's Commission Chairman William Zilke, John Schwannis. How serious is that crime? In a traditional legal court, it, it probably doesn't even make misdemeanor. But in a, in a court of, of political opinion and, and public political policy and theater, it's probably a capital offense. I mean, you don't, it, it's, it's just capital bad. Capital offense? Well, I mean, it, it probably won't be lethal to, uh, to the administration, but at the, in this time of when everybody is worried about the economy, when the state has had to cut back so much and people have uh, lost jobs, people have seen their salaries frozen or, or cut, to have this, even though it's a, a quasi-state agency, and even though the dollar, the revenue, and I know the argument, the, the right. revenue comes from a different stream, it's not tax dollars, but that's lost, I think, on the uh, in the court of public perception and public opinion. It's a demonstration of insensitivity. It is exactly what Mitch Daniels wants to avoid at a particular time. Uh, you know, it is everything that John said and then some, because uh, to see those offices, to see the lavishness, to here are the statistics about the numbers of refrigerators and microwaves, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, just had to be really dissonant in the ears of the governor, and I'm sure that he was not happy when those kinds of things started to come out into the public, and I'm sure that's why it was stopped. And so they, the state Democratic chairman, Dan Parker, has called for the executive director, Catherine Densborn, to, to be removed. That seems like a little bit of an overreaction, isn't well, it? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think John's right. He's, she's obviously tone deaf to be able to do this. When you're laying people off, when you're outsourcing jobs, taking away benefits and putting them in manpower situations, making $10 an hour to do this, and you can say what you want about not being tax dollars, every dollar that's spent in that is a dollar that isn't going into general revenue and education and everything else. Pensions. And pensions and, and all of that. Excise tax so relief. It is, it is exactly that. It, is, it, it may be tickers to Everest to chance, but it ends up with chance. And so it was a bad, it was a, they just didn't think.
Is the administration done with its reaction? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is on a scale of 1 to 10, this is a maybe a 1 and uh, of, of how serious this is. Uh, they made a mistake, and they've corrected that mistake or correcting that mistake. And as far as Dan Parker's concerned, I mean, that's just outrageous to be calling for her to be, resign. Uh, she's a, been a good appointee, done a great job with this this agency uh, through the time that she's been running it. And, uh, and for him, I think, you know, it's kind of sad because since they've lost every statewide office, he doesn't have anything else to complain about. This is what he's <laughs> yeah, complaining no, about. Uh, so, you know, you it's just, he doesn't have anything to complain about, so he's whining about is this. Is it a reflection on the governor? Not really. I mean, come on. I mean, on the big scheme of things, this is, like I said, a one on the scale of ten. You know what, though? It's, it's, it's like slow the, news week. You know what, Thank though? It's you. like the sidewalk issue we were talking about before. It's, it's, it's something that's tangible and it's easy to understand. Yeah. When you talk about bar stools and the $20,000 yeah. gym and all this, I mean, the irony is they're, they're going to have to sell off their gym, but they're still sweating, I'm guessing, up there. What's a gym? Good, and they're not going to recover whatever it is they spent on it just a short period of time yeah. either to go. Uh, a series of treadmills. Um, is what their, their gym was. All right, now, uh, here's maybe the counterpoint. We now know what happened in the governor's office when Mitch Daniels was on his book tour. All of the oak woodwork in the governor's office, and there's a lot of it, has been stripped, repaired, and refinished. Maggie Ban, the governor's executive assistant, admires the work. They understood the beauty of the office, and they were taking pride in what they were doing. They are inmates from the Indianapolis Reentry Center, a work release program. About 15 of them did the work at Maggie's request. She didn't like the fact that the woodwork was antiqued decades ago. That's a before picture on the left. And I had been told many times from several people that we could not fix it, that the, ru that the wood was really ruined. The inmates proved those people wrong, and as they replaced the furniture, they talked about what a rare opportunity this was. I really appreciated the, the experience. Uh, I wouldn't mind going into this field when I get out or something. I dealt with the woodwork, and it was some, you know, it was tedious, but it was, it was worth doing, and now I see the finished product, and it's beautiful. That's uh, Henry Curtis, uh, preceded by Courtney Brown. Uh, total cost of this project was $825. And Delaney, good deal? Oh, I think so. I think so. I actually think on a more serious note for that, that the governor has done a pretty good job of trying to reintegrate uh, inmates into society and put some resources in that. And from the bigger perspective, that's, that's a good thing. And this is just another illustration of that. Um, we really should see more things like this, shouldn't we? Sure, and I think those, that's, this is a good example. Uh, and they're proud of the work that they did, and they should be. It, it looks great, uh, and it should have been done a long time ago. If you've seen the, the uh, antiquing was what it was called in its <laughs> day. Pickling. I'm surprised they, they didn't decoupage some of it. You know, some <laughs> of it. But uh, it, it was a major improvement needs to be done. Well, what, the, good. what I was told was, was the reason that the antiquing was done was because there had been uh, repairs made with plywood, plywood. and that right. way they were, they were able to make the plywood look like the oak. Right. Um, we ought to be able to invest better in, a, in, in the state house, shouldn't we? It was a, maybe it was a 70s thing. Don't you I remember? Mean, after all, that, that, the plywood wouldn't explain the, the official portrait in the blue leisure suit, but I guess that's a... You're talking about Otis Bowen. Don't you remember just, when they remodeled 17 layers of like hospital paint on the walls and, yeah, and all the conduit just, coming down the outside before they did the remodel maybe, and really did it? Maybe they could reupholster the furniture, I mean, come on. Too. You know, it was really bad. Yeah. Maybe they I could think, reupholster the I furniture I think it's, with it's the same wonderful group. that they're doing to the interiors of some of these offices what they did to the exterior and, and to the public areas of the uh, state house 
it's worth the investment, and it's nice that it was $825. And, and Ann's point is a good one. I mean, the fact that these are people who are in this reentry program, uh, they're going to get to go to a reception and, and receive the accolades for their good work, and it sends the right message, I think, to them that they have a future uh, uh, when they get out of their situation now, and that's, that's something to be lauded. And back to what we mentioned earlier, you have something tangible here to show for the governor's book tour. So this is the tangible. This is the tangible. <laughs> <show. laughs> you should wait. You can help yourself. So what is, the, what is the moral message? <laughs> you want to go out of town more that's often? Terrible. Is that terrible. Just saying. Just saying. Finally, Madonna is coming to Indianapolis, at least we think so. The pop star will be performing the halftime show at Super Bowl 46. This isn't the first time Madonna has been approached about performing at the Super Bowl. Rumors circulated in 1998, but plans fell apart before a deal was reached. She was also reported to be ready to take the stage in 2000, but backed out at the last minute. Mike McDaniel, will Madonna show up this time? She's going to be here. She's staying at my house that weekend. <laughs> She's just a common country girl, likes home cooking, so we've invited her over. The answer is there's no way to know. This is an unconfirmed rumor. The NFL picks the halftime entertainment, not the local committee. Would she be a good choice? Uh, she'd be lot, bring a lot of news to it, but uh, you know, was uh, who was it? Where Donald Trump was going to drive the pace car? Uh, this, yeah. I think this would probably be the biggest thing uh, performance in Indiana since uh, Justin Timberlake and Jennifer Beals opened the Shelbyville Casino. That was a great oh, show, wasn't it? Man. He didn't show up. Oh, they didn't show up. I'm, I'm sorry. I think we got a theme. I think we got. Uh, Lady Gaga must not be available. <laughs> well, maybe you could put the two together and have the Madonna Gaga show, huh? Oh. Oh. Find something tangible. Better go there. back to trafficking. <laughs> All right. <laughs> wow. Any thoughts? I'm not a big Madonna fan. I don't even know what Lady Gaga sings. I just like to have somebody whose music I appreciate, which probably makes me completely out of it. Mitch Miller just. Uh, you know what? Mitch Miller, you know what? not on my list. Let me just offer. Art Linkletter on the other hand. Let me offer a personal thought. They could oh, do no. frisbee dogs and just get back to the game, and I'd be happy. Yeah, That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwanis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org/slash podcast. Or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity. Just go to Hoosier TV and look for Indiana Week in Review under News. I'm Jim Shella of Wish TV. We'll see you again next week. Ice Miller, proud to support Indiana Week in Review. Things can go wrong in a thousand different ways. Businesses need a law firm that knows the thousand and first. The team of legal professionals at Ice Miller is committed to helping put the pieces back together. Ice Miller, it's a complex world. Be advised.